You're listening to another episode of the Just Go Bike Podcast. I'm not your usual host. That would be Mark Wyatt from the Iowa Bicycle Coalition. I'm Kyle Munson, a longtime journalist and bicyclist. I've reported on the Register's annual Great Bicycle Ride Across Iowa and other bicycle stories for years, and I still ride and relish RAGBRAI. Say that three times fast. I also was a founding member of the Just Go Bike podcast, so I'm back in this wild and unpredictable year of 2020 to help relaunch it. To remind all of you, this is the podcast where we talk about bicycling just for the fun of it, with two-wheeled tales from all across the nation. So come for the bikes, stay for the fun, and leave with a smile. Now, I plan to contribute in an occasional interview to help highlight bicycling culture and history and issues. This interview in particular was one I've wanted to do for years. My first Just Go Bike chat was with Ragbri co-founder John Karras. This time, I sat down with Chuck Iowa Boy Offenberger, the legendary Iowa journalist who in 1983 took over on Ragbri for the other co-founder, the late Donald Call. Offenberger has been a mentor to me in so many ways, not the least of which as one of the predecessors on the Iowa columnist job I had during the 2010s. So this was a fun and special interview in which we cover nearly all of Chuck's bicycling history, including the year he crossed the entire country pedaling 5,048 miles over 100 days. I love the image of him uh, that he shares in this interview of him standing on the Golden Gate Bridge in San Francisco and throwing an orange over the railing just so he could count how many seconds before it hit the water below. But I'll let Chuck speak for himself. One note, I recorded this episode without any assumptions about what COVID-19 means for the rest of our bicycling year. Bicycling alone has been one of the things to help keep me sane during this social distancing, but I hope we all can share the road again sooner rather than later. Without further ado, here is my interview with Chuck Iwaboy Offenberger. You're listening to the Just Go Bike Podcast, and this is Kyle Munson, longtime bicyclist, former journalist, and several years ago when I recorded my first interview for this podcast, it was with, of course, John Karras, the co-founder of Ragbri. And when I was looking at contributing my first interview to the Revived uh, podcast, I thought, who better to sit down with than a longtime friend, mentor, journalist, and ragbri icon, Chuck Iowa Boy Offenberger. Um, now, of course, we know that uh, John Karras and Don Call started this bicycle ride in 1973, and then about a decade later... Chuck, you came on to the scene as you weren't an avid bicyclist by any means, but this, like me, this institution of Ragbri made you a bicyclist, right? Uh, it sure did on very short notice. It was 1983. I hadn't thought about this in a long time, Kyle, but 1983, uh, two weeks before Ragbri, Donald Call uh, had back trouble and serious back trouble, and he just could not get on a bicycle. And uh, Jim Gannon was the editor of the Register at the time, and he called me into his office and he said, uh, hey, uh, Donald Call is not going to be able to make it on Ragbri, and we really think that there needs to be two people out there covering it from the newsroom, and John's going to go, of course. And uh, But, you know, it kind of happens on your turf out there across Iowa, and so I I wondered if you'd go. And I said, well, Jim... 
I said, I can think about it. I mean, I'm a jogger. I'm in decent <laughs> shape. I can probably, I hope I can do this, but I, I don't have a bike. <laughs> and he said, he said, well, um, he said, call, just call John Karras and he'll take care of it. Whatever, you know, whatever you need uh, will help out. And I said, fine. So that's how it started two weeks before. So I came to call John and I said, I'll never forget this. I called up and I said, well, first of all, John, I'm only going to do this if it's okay with you. I, if if there's something, if they're having, you know, an argument with Donald or something and I don't want to step in the middle of that. And he says, no, 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 Donald really can't do this now with his back. So, yeah, I'd like to have you do it. And I said, well, Jim Gannon told me to call you and ask about a bike because I don't have one. I mean, should I go like to Sears and pick one up or something? And he said, oh, God, no. He said, uh, <laughs> he said, get out to Bike World and ask for Forest Ridgeway and Forest will fix you up. And so that's what I did. And oh, so, that's perfect. So I, I should have mentioned we happen to be recording this in the newest and greatest, largest Bike World location in West Des Moines right now. So I believe this is the fourth Bike World location I've done business in, actually. <laughs> What a great full circle moment. Yeah. So you became a bicyclist. Now, did you fall in love? You said you were a jogger. Uh, did you fall in love with bicycling right away or did it take time to find the romance of bicycling? Um, you know, the first year uh, with two weeks notice, I mean, I was really struggling just to get the days done and get my columns written every day. Uh, when we were out there. And so I don't can't say that that first one is memorable in my mind for really having enjoyed it. But by the second and third years, I was riding enough then and getting in better shape and learning how to do this and, and uh, you know, take breaks when I needed to and eat, eat better and finally get off cigarettes uh, <laughs> that it, uh, <laughs> it became easier. It became more enjoyable. And then I really began to like it. Um, and that just kept happening every year. Um, and then in um, 19, oh, you know, in the late 80s and uh, the first year or so of the 90s, I one thing I noticed was when I, I would go out to the starting Ragbride town a day or two early to kind of get the advance columns going and stuff. And I noticed when I get into those towns a day or two early, there were already bikers in there. And a lot of them were people who were riding across the United States and uh, were, you know, coming in and taking a break before they rode Ragbri and then continuing on. And of course, I just thought they were out of their minds. Uh, but the more I talked to them, the more hooked I started to get. And, um, and then in 1993, uh, I was we were up in northeast Iowa finishing Ragbri and it had been an ideal year. It had really been a beautiful year. And I was riding along near the little town of Gary Owen up there, which I think is in Dubuque County. Um, and it was on the last day. And I'm riding along with this guy. And he told me his name was um, um, Clyde. His last name will come to me in a minute. And uh, he said he was an engineer from John Deere <laughs> and uh, in Waterloo Cedar Falls. And, that I, and we were talking about the ride for the week. And I said, you know, Clyde, this has been such an ideal ride. I just, it was, it's one of those, I wish I didn't have to stop. I mean, I wish I could just ride on. And he said, I am. <laughs> and I said, what do you mean? He says, well, I'm riding cross country. And so I'm on to, uh, um, you know, the East coast when, when I get done here. And I thought to myself at the time, I thought, God, if somebody is straight as a John Deere engineer from Cedar Falls, 
could take time off and ride his bike across the country. I sure as hell can. And so that started the plans for 1995 when my wife Carla and I and Don Benson uh, led the Iowa 150 ride. And we rode all the way across the United States with 308 people to celebrate Iowa's um, uh, sesquicentennial. And we had just a great time. Well, I was going to ask you. Clyde about, Franklin was from Cedar Falls. Clyde Franklin. So Clyde Franklin kind of tips the scale to put in the seed in your mind to do this cross country bike ride. I was going to ask you about that because you know I've grown to love bicycling, but it's still uh, it still boggles my mind that I would be able to ride across the United States, even not in a race kind of context. But just yeah, for and the enjoyment. we uh, we definitely did not. We we took. In fact, we studied this. We put a lot of time in thinking about it, and not. I'm not just saying me, but Carla did, and Don Benson, and. Uh, we decided if we were going to do it, we were going to do it on kind of a ragbri pace and we would average about 70 miles a day. We would have a day off every other week at least uh, to and we at first those seemed like they came too frequently. But as the as the ride went on for 100 days across the country, 5048 <laughs> miles, you needed those breaks every couple of weeks just to, you know, uh, gather yourself and get the laundry done and all that stuff. But it was, it, honestly, I would still say, um, Carla and I often talk about this is the best thing we've ever done. Um, you know, first of all, uh, to enjoy it the way we did it. You, you, if you're an American and you, you will learn things and appreciate this country in ways you never did, knew, understood before when you do that. Because you see, such, you see the country so wonderfully when you're going 10, 12, 15 miles an hour. You know, you're right up close to everything. People stopping and talking to you all the time across the way. Uh, it kind of restores your faith in the country. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's a beautiful place. And there are great people here. And, and we just had a great time. The other reason it was one of the best things we ever did, we decided it was because um, by Carly and I agreeing that we were going to turn our lives upside down and do this and me convincing the Des Moines Register to let me <laughs> yeah, do this. And not, only, yeah. and not only that, to give me $5,000 as a corporate sponsor. <laughs> and I, I hit 22 other business, Iowa businesses for that. Um, you know, it was like we enabled those 308 other people to do this because they all, you know, they had to, uh, I think we raised over a hundred thousand dollars to help pay for this. And, you know, that enabled people to be able to keep their house payments going and their car payments and do all those things and yeah. keep their families going at home while we were out on this lark across the country. A and, bicycling fellowship. Yeah. Know? And <laughs> it, it changed our lives. Um, but by that time, and this is 19, um, uh, 95, we did it. Uh, uh, and by that time, I'm really into bicycling. I had gone from my first few years of riding, I probably was doing um, 1,500 miles a year, 2,000 miles a year, maybe. That year, I did uh, m more than 10,000 because I did 5,000 getting ready from January 1st to the uh, start of the ride out in Long Beach, California. And on Memorial Day weekend, and then 5,000 more on the ride. Uh, and then um, I did uh, another couple thousand when we got home, just winding down from it. So Wow. Did you do the cross-country ride on one bicycle? Yes. Wow. Yeah. What, um, what kind of bicycle? It was a trek that Forest Ridgeway got me and uh, was painted up with, with rag bright colors and <laughs> my name on it and everything. It was, it was pretty cool. 
Well, that's quite an escalation. That's a good job. You you know, you start this whole adventure by getting a free bike from work and then you convince <laughs> them to subsidize your ride across, you know, across the country. What's this? What like what's so you'd spent about a decade on the Iowa landscape biking by that point. What's one of the most vivid roadside scenes that you still remember from the national journey, like uh, some, from another state? Was there something you saw different? You talk about all these conversa- conversations along the way and, and writing about it. Um, is there a, an image that comes to mind, like some mist-covered mountain uh, on a particular morning or anything uh, like per- that? Particularly riding our bikes across the Golden Gate Bridge in San mm-hmm. Francisco was a, a, a big, big moment. It was just a real stirring to do that. I remember pulling out, we stopped halfway out and I pulled an orange out of my bike bag and, and just stood out there and I, I threw it and it, and I counted it and it was like six or eight seconds before it hit water. And I thought, <laughs> this is up in the air. Uh, but uh, uh, we'll, anybody that was on that ride, will talk about when we rode up and over the Bighorn Mountains in Wyoming, because those mountains just come out of nowhere. I mean, it's just like you ride up to them on flat land and then boom, there they are. And you're going up, um, uh, we climbed, uh, uh, probably it was, it seems to me it was 9,000 feet at the top of the, at the pass. And, uh, we must've climbed, uh, 7,000 feet on the way up and a switchback roads on the way up four miles an hour for four uh, riding four miles an hour. It was the fastest you could ride. Can it you was honestly say you enjoyed that or <laughs> We worked our rear ends off on that, uh, but four and a half hours to get up there. And then at the top, when we got up on the plateau at the top, you had the mountain peaks all around you. It was spectacular, snow on them. It was cold. This is in um, uh, July, mm. uh, very late June or very early July. And those mountaintops around us, and we and we rode about eight miles across this relatively flat place up really high at 9,000 plus feet. And then we get to the other side and we're coming down east into Wyoming. And it was, uh, it was, let's see, it was 17 miles up, four and a half miles an hour. And, and then when we came down, it was 17 miles down in 45 minutes. And so, I mean, it was a, you know, we were shooting (laughs) that baby on the way down. Um, of course we, we rode right up to, uh, um, Mount Rushmore, we rode on Ragbri that summer and had a great, great time. It was no issue. No, it was not a struggle at all to ride Ragbri that summer. <laughs> then we rode down to Tennessee, dipped down there because I went to college at Vanderbilt in Nashville, Tennessee. And people said later, good God, we're glad you didn't go to Florida State. <laughs> uh, and then we came back up uh, to the Northeast into Washington, D.C., uh, it was memorable in crossing the Appalachians when we were in Pennsylvania, because by that time we were in such great shape, we could handle those rides with no problem. And so we were, everybody was just kind of hanging back and lollygagging and stopping at every little gas station and drinking pop and eating candy bars and just having a great time, you know? And, uh, and then we came into Washington DC and rode right up the national mall to the steps of the U S Capitol. And then we had a a celebration right there with uh, the State Fair Singers and Jazz Band from Iowa uh, and uh, MC'd by Bill Riley himself. Oh, my God. And the star of the show was Simon Estes. Oh, and my so, gosh. And uh, so it was a fantastic finish to that uh, wonderful summer. Just a great time. That's too good. Uh, I mean, you would have been how old at this time? In- uh, 48. I remember I turned 48 on that ride. Oh, my Because when I started thinking about this in 93, the ride was actually in 95. I thought to myself, 
I want to get this done. I want it before I'm 50. <laughs> that was my goal. And so I beat it by a couple of years. Well, I'm turning 48 this year. I'm behind the curve. There you go. So I haven't done my cross-country bike Could be an exciting yet. couple of years here for it in right. front of you. <laughs> so how did you, was that, I mean, how did you come down off of that? Like just becoming a quote unquote normal bicycle rider again after that year? Uh, a lot of ways we were impacted. Carla and I came back and, uh, we had gone all summer without watching television mm -hmm. and we came back and we looked at our house and it was just full of stuff. I mean, and we were just shocked. This was in Des Moines and, um, we, we decided we were going to downsize and we basically didn't turn on the TV again for about 15, 20 years. Uh, <laughs> we, uh, we didn't have one for years and it was just cause we got used to I, not, nothing against TV yeah. and we would, we would go, you know, watch one for big sports events or news events and stuff. But, uh, we just were doing other things. We were doing a lot of reading and, um, that we began to revisit some of the States we rode, uh, on that ride. And we went back and rode them again, uh, we rode from Iowa down to Tennessee one year on mm -hmm. the same route we'd, we'd done before. Uh, we rode Montana, we rode Virginia, we rode Ohio, uh, and it seems like another one or two. And so we just, it, it taught us to really be bicycle tourists. And we, our favorite kind of touring was to load our clothes into our bags and on the bike so we didn't have to worry about support vehicles and everything and just take off and go. Yeah. Um, we really, um, over the time after 98, I left the register and we went into teaching. We were at Buena Vista up in Storm Lake and then um, <clears throat> back to Greene County where we live now, south of Jefferson always very close to a trail. And uh, so we live right on the Raccoon River Valley Trail now. And um, as I've gotten old, I'm 72 now and Carla's uh, 60 or 61. And as we've gotten a little older, we spend more of our biking time on the trails. We just feel safer out there. If we're in a group, we don't mind riding on the roads. Uh, but on day-to-day -day riding, uh, and we live so close anyway, it was, it's almost always on trails and love that. Yeah. Uh, over my years on the bike in Iowa, um, I have come to believe that the development of the recreational trail system in Iowa is one of the most important things that's happened in the state in my lifetime, really. Uh, and it hit at just the right time because of the increase in traffic, the increase in people who are riding, um, <clears throat> the te development of texting and cell phones and all of that is just some ways it's become more dangerous. But, you know, if you run those trails, you're pretty safe. And so, yeah, um, I'm really proud of Iowa, the way it's developed this trail system. And of course, um, you know, Ragbri's role in all this, it's been very gratifying to see this. Um, I, I think it's the reason there's great stores like Bike World and the other bike shops all over Iowa. And we have a spinoff of all kinds of other rides happening, not only around the state, around the country. There yeah. are spinoffs from Ragbri. So it's been fun to um, be part of that and uh, and to have watched it and to have covered it over the years. It's really been fun. Yeah. I mean, you kind of you answered my uh, a question I was going to ask about where would you rank bicycling on, you know, uh, the list of cultural transformations or revolutions and very important. I mean, it's at the center of life in Iowa and I would even say rural Iowa. I mean, you live on a, a great trail and I live on the High Trestle Trail. Sure. I grew up near the Wabash Trail in Southwest mm -hmm. Iowa and for rural communities that often now struggle to have kind of an economic footprint, 
So these trails offer a little uh, fresh injection of tourism and everything else. You know, it's a it's it, for Iowa to have developed as kind of a bicycling capital of the United States, which I think you can really argue that it is, both in terms of organized rides like Ragbri and others, but also the trail system, the the economy of it, the bike shops, the you know the all the money that comes in for tourism on bicycling in Iowa. That's been fantastic, and it just fits Iowa like a good work glove because. You know, on the one hand, you would think, God, this wouldn't it be wouldn't you expect this to happen in some place like that's really scenic, like the mountains or something? Well, that's tough riding. Average people don't go ride their bikes in the mountains. Um, (laughs) (coughs) Or when you do it in a big city, well, traffic kills you in those cities. Mm -hmm. It's a perfect place to do this. And um, then what we discovered was that the network of secondary paved roads that serve agriculture in Iowa were perfect for bicycling. Wow. And secondly, the location of small towns about 10 miles apart, a development from the railroad 150 years ago. But that's just perfect for bicycling. You know, you ride your bike another hour and there you are getting lemonade and pie in another town. <laughs> and um, um, so all of that is just, you know, I always proved itself to be a, a tremendous location for this to have happened. And to have watched that happen is terrific. And I've always said one of the coolest things about Ragbri, <clears throat> you got people from um, all 50 states and usually 20 other in, other countries and you're riding down the road with people who do all kinds of, you know, the different professions that are representative just cover the gamut. You're riding along with people from much bigger places, long, long ways away. And they're telling you how neat Iowa is in the last full week of July. And it's like, wow, that's really something. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Even they get kind of swept away by the. I don't know, the landscape of Northeast Iowa. And, and the hospitality of the people or the friendliness of yeah. the people. That's, uh, you know, everybody gets every once in a while gets grouching and griping about Ragbriar or whatever. It makes you wait in traffic for a little bit somewhere <laughs> out there. But on the other hand, the uh, people of Iowa have really been supportive of it and they're really proud of it, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, we uh, we both grew up in southwest Iowa and I my first bicycle was a quintessential banana seat bike painted red and I would ride on the gravel roads down there. Mm-hmm. Do you, what was your first bike? Do you remember your first? Yeah, bicycle? I had a, a, a 48 inch Schwinn uh, kind of a cruiser that I took the fenders off and turned the handlebars upside down and we'd put uh, baseball <laughs> cards or w- balloons on the spokes <laughs> and jump curves and all of that in Shenandoah. That was my first one. And then the, <clears throat> my next one was a three speed English racer that I got for Christmas one year. And nice. so, those were kind of my two bikes that got me through junior high years. And then on high school, I didn't ride at all. In college, I, same thing I didn't. And I was picking up golf. So I was starting to golf a little bit more uh, and really didn't get into, uh, I was a baseball player, so I was always into that. But I didn't get into biking then and again as an adult until Jim Gannon called me in and told me I was going to be co-host of Ragbri. And uh uh, and and I had actually covered Ragbri its first year. Hmm. Um, I'd just gone out as a young reporter at the Register, and when Clarence Pickard, you remember that name from Indianola? Yeah, was, he was the what eighty something in a pith helmet who inspired the old everybody. Man. Yeah, right? and he, he he made it seem possible for everybody to go. Well, in that first Ragbri, when they got close to Des Moines, and the bosses could see what the impact this old guy was having on that ride or and on the public, the 
switchboard at the register was lighting up every day. Wanted to know, didn't care if Call or Karis had made it to the next town. <laughs> Everybody wanted to know if Mr. Pickard had made it. So they sent me out to do a profile on him. And they said, turn it around just as quick and long as you can. Uh, and so I met him in Des Moines at five o'clock in the afternoon and interviewed him till about 630 and then went through, jumped right down to the register and wrote as hard as I could for about an hour and a half to get it wow. done. And, um, and that gave me a really good look at Ragbriar. I start to understand of it, standing of it. And um, so ever since then, you know, it was yeah. my time was coming. Well, that makes me think, uh, did you probably had no, you, well, you didn't have any way of knowing you were interviewing Clarence Pickard that first year of Ragbri. And in some ways, possibly interviewing your future self as, as you know, an, uh, an octogenarian bicyclist someday, right? <laughs> Hard to imagine. <laughs> Kyle, I, I've outlived every male in my family. Mm. And that's despite the fact that, uh, you know, I smoked in my early, from my college years until I, I got into bicycling. Um, I changed my health, uh, you know, dramatically from being a bicyclist. And I, I, there's no doubt in my mind it's the reason I'm alive now, and particularly because I've also been through lymphoma cancer. Mm. And the only reason that uh, I got a stem cells transplant with that 10 years ago this year uh, was because I would, for a guy my age, I was in pretty good health, except for the fact I had cancer. Mm -hmm. uh, and I was in pretty good health because of the fact I was a bicyclist. So it's been, the sport has been very good to me. And of course the register and Ragbri itself were tremendous for me. So yeah. um, I've always been very grateful that Jim Gannon let me have the chance to do that. And that John Karras put up with me for <laughs> a few years like that. Um, I should ask uh, what, you know, and we've biked alongside each other on the Ragbri trail before and, and, you know, run into each other on a Ragbri town. What's your favorite Ragbri food? Like, what do you have to have? Pie. Pie. Um, right. You know, I'm a great pie eater, and I don't stop at the end of Ragbri either. I, <laughs> I eat pie all the time. Um, but, you know, when I first started, uh, kind of the 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 go-to food for Ragbri those first couple of years was pork burgers. Hmm. And you rarely see those anymore now. I mean, you, you know, you'll see a lot of hamburgers out there and, and other kinds of foods like that. But I still like pork burgers. It's a very nostalgic thing for me anytime I find one of those. Um I, uh, I, I quit drinking over the years. And so, um, you know, I, you know, I drank beer the first few rides I went on and then, um, uh, I didn't after that. And, uh, uh, th but that probably helped, it, but, you know, lemonade, certainly and iced tea. I, I'm a coffee drinker being a journalist like, <laughs> yeah, and so that's religion. Uh, and religion. I, and I even want my coffee on rag, bro. You know, I, uh, I'm definitely not getting up in the morning and getting on the bike until I have a cup of coffee. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, this is, uh, it's great to kind of relive, uh, some parts of the, of the rag, road and bicycling road. And, um, and how it's just become intertwined with your life. I mean, as much as Colin Karras, I mean, this has really transformed and shaped your life. Um, that just, you know, speaks to me. Uh, I think my niche in it was, uh, the, if, if I had an important niche into it, by the time I came into, uh, you know, and became co-host with John of Ragbri, which was 83, 84, and then thereafter for 16 years, uh, <clears throat> I, uh, John and Don Call at that point didn't have as strong a connection in Iowa 
as they might have had earlier. Uh, you know, John was, uh, he was still writing a Sunday column, but he was basically, he was a copy editor. Uh, Donald Call was in the Washington Bureau, so it wasn't like they were out in the public all the right. time. And at that point in my career, I was out in Iowa all the time. I mean, I was on yeah. the road and I was well known across the state, um, you know, and so I helped kind of reintroduce and grow Ragbri in Iowa. Um, a lot of times if the towns were squeamish about the rider come, coming in or something, if I showed up and, and visited with the people, then, well, then it was okay. And, um, and you know, it's, I, I think that was an important role at that time. You did the same thing later when you came around. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I was glad to do it. And I, I you know, I used to wear a t-shirt on the ride um, and on, it said on the front, it said Des Moines Register, Ragbri. And on the back, it said big letters across the top. It said, Iowa boy. And then it said, got a column idea for me. And I had people stopping me the whole week out there on the road who uh, would give me column ideas. And I'm telling you, I'd live on them the rest of the year. I'd come home from Ragbri with dozens and dozens of column ideas that I could go get later on. That was and that it, era's version of a tweet. I guess you were wearing a tweet absolutely. on your back. And you know, the other thing I'd do at the end of every day, I'd, when I'd get to the motel at night and take the shirt off, I'd peel it off and I'd find somebody and, you know, it kind of became known that I would do that. So by the end of the day, they'd say, hey, if I come by the motel, can I have your shirt? I'd say, sure. <laughs> okay. So then I had people all over <laughs> Iowa wearing my shirts the rest of the year. So Giving people the shirt off your back. That's right. That. Well, thanks for sitting down to talk through some of the history, uh, Chuck. I appreciate it. Uh, uh, I'm honored this is your first Just Go Bike podcast interview and not the last. And and uh, and you plan to be out on at least a couple days of Rag Bright yep. this year. Uh, that's yeah. been kind of my standard the last few years is to do a couple days. Uh, I don't know if I, I, I could do the whole thing. I'm sure if I wanted to, it'd be very slow. But um, I'm slow on purpose now. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's a good thing that I'm content to be slow because I, I really enjoy just... Uh, toddling along, getting off my bike a lot, visiting with people along the way. And uh, I really look forward to doing that. That's great. We'll see you out there. Okay. Thanks again for listening. Let us know what you think of the show by leaving a rating and a review. They really help us out a lot and help others find the show. For more information, check out justgobike.net. The show's theme song was written, produced, and performed by Ryan Steer. Brian Powers is the show's producer, and the Just Go Bike podcast is brought to you by the Des Moines Register, a part of the USA Today Network.